are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. If you aren't following us on social media, make sure to head to Facebook and Instagram and search for My Collective Church to learn more about what is going on at Collective as we start this new year. Thank you again for listening. Now let's get into Sunday's message. years ago, I was grabbing coffee with a guy at Starbucks, and as we were finishing, he asked if he could pray for me. And one thing that I've learned in ministry is that you never turn down prayer, but I'm always just a little bit hesitant because I don't know what they're going to say. For example, nine months after our second daughter, Harper, was born, Ray and I decided that we were done having kids. We very much felt like Harper completed our life and Ray hated being pregnant, so it was a really easy decision for us. But we weren't going around telling people that we were done having kids because it's not really anyone else's business. And so one afternoon, I was with a pastor friend of mine, and we were getting ready to leave, and he asked if he could pray for me. And one of the things that he proceeded to pray for was that God would bless us with another child. And so in the middle of this prayer, I'm like, no, no, don't do that, God. God, that's not what I'm asking for. Right? He didn't know, but later when I told him, he apologized. All right, so back to the coffee guy. He starts praying. He says, God, we're so thankful that you love us. Right? Good start. I pray that way too. And he goes, that you are Abba Father. I was like, I'm oh, not a really big fan of that, but I'll let it pass. But then he said, and that we can call you our daddy. And I'm not going to lie. He kept praying, but I was so thrown off by the daddy part that I just stopped listening. <laughs> Okay, God didn't, God listened, but or God listened, I didn't. For one, I don't think a grown man should ever call anyone daddy unless they're from the deep south like Harlan, Kentucky or someone from Texas, that's a pass, I guess. But the other reason was that I felt this like deep tension in my heart thinking about God as a father. Right? Because here's one thing that's true about me. I have a ton of baggage when it comes to my own dad. Like most people, and specifically men, I'm still dealing with the wounds of, that were placed on me by my father, right? Some of which were unintentional, uh, some of which were wounds that he actually inherited from his own father and passed down. But those wounds make it very hard for me to not feel tension when it comes to seeing God as a father. Throughout this series, we've learned different names of God, but father is unlike the rest of them because the odds of using the name Yahweh for someone else is rare, Right? I doubt that you're thinking of the name El Roi for your next child. The idea of you using the name Jehovah Naham to describe someone in your life is absolutely zero. Right? These are all names that are clearly for God and God alone. But the name Father is different. Because of that, we have these feelings and emotions toward that name, some good and some bad. And so no matter what your father was like, seeing God as a father can be confusing or incomplete. And so that's the name that we're going to dig into today. Ultimately, we're going to figure out how do we separate our earthly father from our heavenly father. But what I want to do uh, before we really jump into this is I want to talk to the dads for a second. Uh, whether your kids are grown, whether your kids are young like mine, or maybe you're just simply hoping and praying that one day you get to be a dad, I want you to lean in for a second. And no, I'm not going to rail on you, but I am going to challenge you. Ultimately, I'm going to challenge us. Step up. 
right? Step up. I know, I know our fathers weren't a great example. I get it, right? We feel that every single day in everything that we do. Most of my adult life has been me dealing with the pain of my father while trying to be a better husband and a better dad than he was. Studies have shown that your impact on your family is huge. 90% of runaway and homeless children come from fatherless homes. 70% of minors housed in state facilities come from fatherless homes. The percentage of adolescents that have substance abuse issues or are in treatment facilities are 75%. They come from fatherless homes. 71% of teenagers who are pregnant come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides come from a household where a father is absent. 85% of children with behavioral disorders come from homes without fathers. Teen girls that do not have a father in their home are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. Infant mortality is two times higher in homes without a father. Children are four times more likely to be in poverty from a lack of father in the home. And here's the thing. Study after study after study have shown that being a non-present father is just as bad as being an absent father. Meaning just because you're around doesn't mean your kids feel your presence at home. And so dads, we need to step up. And remember, I'm talking to myself as well. Right? And the truth is we are not God. We are not perfect. But we matter so freaking much to our kids. So dads, you need to step up. You need to show up. You need to be emotionally available. You need to take the lead in your faith and make this a priority. David Morrow wrote in his book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. He did this survey and he found that if fathers attend church, the rest of the family is 93% more likely to show up. But if the father doesn't attend, the rest of the family is 17% likely to show up. And the truth is, I know that I'm far from perfect, but one of the best things I do for my kids is bring them here so other people can show them what it looks like to have faith and follow Jesus. And so we need to set the example. But let me actually take this a step further uh, because the truth is I know a lot of your stories and I know a lot of you had dads that went to church, but it didn't make a difference in how they raised you. Because again, it's not just about being present here. It's about taking next steps. It's about owning your growth. It's about being generous. It's about serving others. It's about getting baptized. It's about setting the tone. Stop leading your family out of the deficit that your dad created and lead out of the place of grace and truth that God provides. And so if there's one verse that I want you to hold on to as I finish my soapbox today, one verse to read over and over and over again, it's this, it's Micah 6, 8. It says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Do that, and you will break the generational garbage that your father inherited from his father and then decided to hand on down to you, okay? Can I get an amen to all that, please? Thank you. All right, so that's just for fathers, and I need you guys to step up. Things just need to be different. But the truth is, every single one of us, we need to heal when it comes to our fathers, Dr. Robert Enright is a psychologist and author who wrote this book called The Forgiving Life, A Pathway to Overcoming Resentment and Creating a Legacy of Love. And he specifically focuses on father wounds, and through years of counseling others, he has learned that our father's actions always have an effect on our spiritual life, especially when it comes to seeing God as a father, right? And so that's me, and that's many of you. Back when we were portable, 
and meeting in West Frederick Middle School, we would get there around 6.30 in the morning to unload this massive trailer and set everything up. And when we were a brand new church, we're less than a year old, we just had one service. And so we do this thing called family meeting. It was at 9 a.m. and what the band would do is they'd run through their worship set and the team who was serving that day could then worship and take communion before going and serving and creating space for other people to go to church. And so one Sunday, I was sitting in the lobby, I was taking a moment to myself and listening to the band when I noticed that a girl named Stephanie walked, into the, walked out of the gym and into the lobby with tears just streaming down her face. And Stephanie was very much exploring faith at the time. She believed in God, but still wasn't bought into the whole Jesus thing. And so when I saw her walk into the lobby crying, I thought, I bet this is Jesus breaking through. I thought there were tears of joy. I thought there were tears of relief, tears of choosing to accept the grace that we talk about so often here. And so I walked over to her to see if she was okay, fully expecting her to say, this whole Jesus thing finally makes sense and I'm ready to get baptized. But I was way, way off. You see, the song she walked out during was a song called Good, Good Father, which was very popular about 10 years ago. And the chorus essentially goes, you're a good, good father, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. But Stephanie's tears weren't because she believed that God was her good, good father. It's because her father had recently passed away. As she walked into the lobby that day, she shared with me, I had a good father. I don't need God to replace that. I don't need God to be that for me. I don't need God to fill his place. And this was one of the most humbling moments I've ever had in ministry. There I was standing in the lobby with a girl that I desperately wanted to know God and have a relationship with Jesus. And her biggest barrier was seeing God as a good father because she had experienced something good in her own life. And I'd never considered that when I asked the band to play that song. Honestly, I just thought it was a popular song. It was really easy to sing. I thought people would like it. But that moment shaped collective forever. We never did the song again. About a year later, I sat down with everyone who speaks on stage, and we actually talked about this topic because I, ha- I realized that so many of us have this tendency to call God Father without explaining that we're actually talking about God. And so that's why when you hear someone preaching or a host up on stage or sharing, they will say things like, our Heavenly Father or Father God because we need people to know, and we want people to know that we are talking about a good God, not our earthly Father. And so let's talk about the name Father for a second. The word Father is used to describe God from cover to cover in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, if you're reading the Bible and you see the word Father with a capital F at the front, it is in reference to God. In the Old Testament, God is called the Father of Israel. Uh, In the book of Psalms, God is called the Father to the fatherless. In the book of Isaiah, he's called the Everlasting Father. In the book of Malachi, the writer says, are we not all children of the same Father, meaning of the same God? Are we not all created by him? In the New Testament, God is called our Heavenly Father. If you know the Lord's Prayer, it starts, Our Father who is in heaven. And Paul uses the phrase, God, our Father, in the letters that he wrote to local churches. Now, with that comes this word, Abba. Abba is another word for Father that's found in the New Testament. Abba is Aramaic, and Aramaic was one of the dominant spoken languages uh, during that time, during Jesus' time. It's what he spoke, it's what Paul spoke, what Peter spoke. And Abba actually describes a closeness to our Heavenly Father. Now, just so we're clear on this, this has nothing to do with Abba, 
right? You're gonna see it and immediately you're gonna start making those connections. This is not the Swedish pop group named after Agnetha, Bjorn, Betty, and Anna Fred. I had to Google that, I did not know that. Right, so this isn't a honey, I'm still free, take a chance on me, or you can dance, you can drive, have the time of your life. That's not, that's not what this is. They have no connection whatsoever. <laughs> I'm gonna mess this up all day now. Right, we're talking about Abba, 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 there it is. <laughs> it's the same thing, whatever. Um, but this is actually a phrase that's only seen three times in the Bible, three times in the New Testament, one time uh, by Jesus. This is what it says in Mark 14, 36. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And this comes moments before Jesus is arrested, tried, beaten, and crucified, and he cries out, Abba, Father. And at first glance, this kind of feels redundant, right? Father, Father. But what's actually happening is that Mark, the writer of this biography of Jesus, he's showing this personal connection that Jesus has to God, his own Father. Jesus is making this intimate request that he wouldn't make of anyone else. Take this suffering away from me if it is your will. Mark is also letting the readers, us, know that we can enjoy a similar relationship with God. Mark is essentially breaking down this barrier of God that only Jesus could call him Father, but that we also can call him the same thing. The next two times Abba is seen are in the letters of Paul. He wrote this in Romans 8. He says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. He said this in Galatians 4, And because we are his children... God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So here's what Paul's saying. He is saying that we are all God's children, right? And this is true whether we want it to be or not. This is true whether or not we believe in God. But for people who follow him, right, people who have chosen faith in Jesus, people who have received the Holy Spirit, the spirit of his son, there is a closeness that we have where God is not just a father, but he is our father, Abba. And because we are his children, we can cry out to him in the same way that Jesus did earlier, right? Crying out, Abba, Father, can you hear me? This closeness that we have with him. Ultimately, we can have a relationship with God that is what a father-child relationship looks like, a relationship that's loving, that's kind, that's compassionate, that has direction and guidance, safety and protection, And I know, and I know this is really hard for many of us to see and recognize and understand because a lot of us don't think the words good and father go together. For some of you in this room, you're thinking there is just no such thing because based on your own life experience, based on what you've been through, you don't know what a good father looks like because your father was not around. Or your father either emotionally or maybe physically or even sexually abused you or your father chose his work or his hobbies over presence and relationship with you. Now, I know others of you are thinking that you can believe that something like a good father might exist because you had a dad that was okay, right? Not good, not bad, just kind of there. And some of you, it's not a big leap because you had a wonderful dad. You had a great father. But regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, here's my belief. We all have this innate understanding of what a good father is and what a good father should do. And that is ultimately who God is. And so here's one big takeaway that will help with all of this. And if you're taking notes, this is what you need to write down. Uh, You have to see God as the father he is 
and not as who your father was. One more time. You have to see God as the father he is and not as who your father was. Right? I have to see God as the father he is and not as who my father was. Because when I see God in the same way as I see my own father, I see a God who is not really dependable. I see a God who uses words to tear me down. I see a God who drinks too much. I see a God who's imperfect, and that isn't God. God is a good and perfect father. So you have to see God as the father he is and not as who your father was. Right, So that's the big picture for today, but there's two practical ways to help us see God in this way. And again, depending on how your father was, there's varying degrees of this for you, and you kind of got to wrestle with that and figure that out. But these will help you get to a place where thinking of God as the father doesn't hurt you to your core, where it doesn't bring more baggage, where it doesn't put up more walls. Here's the first thing. You have to choose forgiveness. This is the hardest one. You have to forgive your father for falling short, for the wounds that you're still navigating and will take you years to, to work through. You see, the word forgiveness literally means to release. It means to let go. It was actually a, a financial term, to relieve someone, to take away, to, to get rid of someone's debt. Think about it like this. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to take your fist, I want you to close them, and I want you to squeeze them as hard as you can until I tell you to stop. Okay, so grab it, do it. Um, this is what unforgiveness feels like. Unforgiveness is like holding onto something as tightly as you can and not letting go. Holding onto that memory, holding onto that phrase, holding onto that pain. And this is how we go about life when we choose not to forgive. And this has an impact on our relationships and our faith. It has an impact on our mental health, our spiritual life, everything. Okay, now let go. This is what forgiveness feels like. Right, do you feel that? Like, do you feel the relief? The tension drops, the anger drops. And ultimately, when you choose to forgive and actually let go, that is when you're fully able to receive what God, who is a good father, has for you. Right, you are finally open to take that in. And I know, I know that some of you are arguing with me in your head right now, and that's okay. Right, I know what you're thinking. You don't know what he did. You don't know what he said. You don't know what it's like to live in that house with him. You don't know. And the truth is, I don't know. But I know that some of you are waiting for your father to apologize for those things, to own the wounds and scars, to be the father that you needed and you longed for, maybe the, God, the father that you even prayed for. But you and I both know that might not ever happen. And if you are waiting for your earthly father to heal those wounds, you could be holding on to life like this for a very, very long time and that will impact everything. And so the truth is, it is on you to forgive so that you can move forward. And just to be clear, uh, this doesn't mean forgetting. For some reason, people buy into this really dumb idea that forgive means to forget, but that's not what it means. Forgiveness doesn't mean you pretend like it never happened. You can't pretend like it never happened. It impacts everything. That's not what forgiveness means. That's not what scripture tells us to do. Paul writes in Colossians 3, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We forgive because we've been forgiven. That's it. It's not forgive and forget. We forgive because Christ forgave us. Now, for those of you who are like me, and you, you have years of things to work through, 
one thing that's true about today is that today won't be enough. Right? Jesus is enough, but 30 minutes from Michael isn't enough, especially if you just listen and don't actually take any next steps. And so here's what I want to encourage you. One of the best things that you can do to work through this pain when it comes to your father is go to counseling. Is talk to someone who isn't your family, not a sibling, not your mom, somebody else, and really start to dig into the wounds that you have and how they're impacting your life. For me, I've been doing this for the past five years, and new things come up. I had kids. I was like, I'm good, and I had kids. Like, I'm not good. I've actually gone away on weekend retreats to dig into this stuff. I've chosen to be vulnerable with my wife and my friends and just honest about the things that I'm dealing with. And I'm finally getting to this very small place of forgiveness and healing and growth. And so if that is something that you need, that's something that is pulling on your heart right now, we wanna help you with that. And so Katie mentioned it earlier about the connection card. Just put mental health on the prayer request spot. We'll follow up this week with some resources that can help you with that. Also, some of you are dads to older kids. Uh, and what's really cool is that you are learning and growing. But the truth is you fell short along the way. Right? I, I do it all the time. I have two kids, six and three. And so one of the best things that you can do for your kids takes two words. I'm sorry. That's all. Just say I'm sorry and own your mistakes because that will go a long way in your relationship with your kids and the healing that they're trying to do. So you have to choose forgiveness. Here's the second thing that you can do to see God as the father he is. And this one's a lot easier than the last one. You have to read your Bible. If you wanna see the type of father God is, you have to go to the source, right? Oftentimes we think our parents are the source. They are not the source. They've never been the source. They never will be the source. Most of our baggage comes from the fact that we think they're the source to all things. But you have to read your Bible because when you do, you'll read verses like this in 1 Peter. It says, God the father knew you and chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy. A good father chooses you. A good father chooses to be in a relationship with his children. A good father does everything in his power to be present in his children's lives. A good father doesn't run out on his kids. A good father doesn't abandon his children. A good father comes home at night. A good father is there. A good father gives his children access to his presence. And God is a good father who chooses us. Imperfections and all, insecurities and all, doubts and all, he chooses us because he loves us. Galatians 1.4 says this, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. So a good father rescues his children. This is really important. So a good father will give his children rules and guidelines. He'll teach them the ways to live and not to live because he wants good things to happen for his children, right? A good father will protect his children and get between them and danger, right? He doesn't want anything bad to happen to them. But if, and really it's when, they end up in trouble, a good father also rescues his children. And to fully understand this, we have to look at God's son. What did Jesus do on our behalf? He went before us. He went to the cross to protect us, take the punishment that we deserve. He paid the price to deal with our sin, finally and totally, to remove our shame. He didn't make us beg or plead or make a deal. He didn't say, well, I told you so. It was none of those things. He just did it. Jesus was the perfect and sufficient sacrifice sent to rescue us from our sin because that's what God, our good father, wanted for us. Matthew 7, 11 says this. 
So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask of him? This is kind of a backhanded compliment from Jesus. He's saying, you suck, but you give good gifts, and so God gives better ones, essentially. That's a paraphrase. (laughs) But what type of good gifts does God give? Gifts of rest, gifts of being made new, gifts of mercy, of grace, a better and new way to live, redemption, confidence in who we are, faith, hope, a kingdom, a community that cannot be shaken. And what kind of father gives those things to his children? A good one, right? A good one, and one that we can call ours. Toward the end of this week, uh, I was finishing up this sermon and I actually heard something yesterday uh, that I just felt, like it hit me in my core, and so I wanna share it with you to close out today. There are only two times in scripture when God audibly spoke to Jesus, just two times. And the first time was when Jesus was about 30 years old. He was getting ready to start his ministry on earth and he was baptized. He was dunked in the Jordan River. And this is what it says in Matthew 3, starting in verse 16. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. There's a lot of really cool things about this moment. The fact that Jesus is actually dunked in the Jordan River by John, his cousin, who there's a whole point uh, of, of his story that's wonderful. But what I want to point out is that this is what God says to his son Jesus before he ever accomplished anything on earth. This is the kickstart to his ministry. So he hasn't turned water into wine yet. He hasn't walked on water yet. He hasn't healed the blind yet. He hasn't resurrected from the dead yet. But God opened heaven to let Jesus and everyone else there know, this is my son. I love him. He brings me great joy. This is how a good father sees his kids. You know, the number one reason why my kids are pleasing to me has nothing to do with their performance. If it was about their performance, it wouldn't be good. But the reason why I love them is because they're mine. They're my kids. I'm just a broken and sinful human being, just a regular father, and I know how to love my kids. And the truth is, there's nothing they can do to make me love them more, and there's nothing they can do to make me love them any less. And guess what? God is a much better father than I am. He's a much better father than the one that you have. So listen, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less because God truly is a good father. And when you see God as the father he is, when you choose to finally release the wounds of your father, when you take time to read the Bible and see God's character, see how he lived and what he did and what he said, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God calls you his child, that he loves you, and you bring him great joy. And this is not based on anything that you have done or haven't done, it's because you are simply his. You are his child, he loves you, you bring him great joy. Let's pray. God, it is, uh, this is probably one of the harder topics for us to wrestle with. God, this is one of the harder, harder things for us to deal with because so many of us have, uh, have wounds from our Father. 
God, there's this pain that we have inside of us that, uh, that, we, that we want to go away. Um, God, that we're, we're dealing with, we're hoping one day that maybe our dads step up the way that we needed them to. For God, for, for many people, it's because they had a good father, but, but maybe he's not around anymore. Well, they have a good father who's still around, and, and still it's just kind of confusing because they have a dad that they love, but then they have God who's, who's better. And so, God, as we wrestle with this topic, um, ultimately, God, as we, as we kind of open some fresh wounds or kind of dig into the ones we already have today, God, I just pray that your presence is felt in our lives. God, of all the things that we, we talked about today, of all the things that we read, ultimately, God, the thing that, that we need the most is to hear you say to us that, that you love us. God, that we bring you great joy. And God, it's not based on what we do. It's not based on who we are. It's the fact that we are yours. God, it's, it's based on the fact that you love us. So God, I, I pray we live in that space. God, I pray that we uh, love people in that space. I pray that we heal uh, in that space. I pray for the dads that they, they lead from that space. But ultimately, God, I just pray as people who are trying to pursue you, we exist in that space knowing that we are your children, that you love us, and that we bring you joy. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, help us, um, help us grow. Help us move closer to you. Help us heal more than anything else and, and, and know who you are. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.